Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome into the Illini Inquirer podcast, Jeremy Warner on a Monday. Uh, we're recording this Sunday night, actually, for the first time. So uh, I wanted to get a little bit of a pod time in so that people can consume this before we chat with Lovey Smith and probably more importantly, Illini offensive coordinator Rod Smith. Uh, we talked with Lovey after a 45-7 loss at Wisconsin. Haven't had the chance to talk with Rod Smith, the Illinois offensive coordinator. And I think I have more questions for him uh, than I had for Lovey Smith. But it's Monday, so that means it's Monday's with Mike and Mike, we were so pumped for football season, and then that happens on Friday night. And I saw I saw your timeline go uh, roller coaster downhill pretty quickly during that game. I got to admit, yeah, mine and everybody else's. You know, and I was I said on my podcast this morning, I did not expect to do one Sunday morning, but I figured, you know, what the heck? I I felt inspired and came into a calm, and then ten minutes in, I'm really really agitated, and I think what it is is, you know, Friday, I, I got done with parent-teacher conferences at 11. I had all day, and I had time to kill. So I, I constructed, or not constructed, but I put together my birthday gift, which was a propane grill. This is so domesticated. And I'm listening to your podcast, and I'm consuming every bit of Illini media, actually getting ready for the game. Yeah. And within the second play from scrimmage, air out of the balloon. And not that the game was over at that point. It wasn't. But unfortunately, there were very few glimmers that it was going to be a competitive game. And it wasn't that long after the you know uh, take back for a defensive touchdown that the game completely flipped back in Wisconsin's direction. So for Illini fans, it was a night that, you know, unfortunately it felt all too familiar, but it felt more familiar to the first couple years of Lovey Smith and maybe the first couple years of Tim Beckman, not the kind of familiar familiar that you would want in year five. The first 27 minutes to me, Carp, actually were almost like, okay, I, I, I don't think that's unexpected. An offense with a bunch of new guys uh, at the weapons, right? The wide receivers, the running backs, that maybe they come out slow out of the gates. They didn't have a tune-up game, so Brandon Peters and Rod Smith haven't had a chance to figure this out. Defensively, they were put in a bad position by the Epstein fumble. They give up a score, right? That That's not too surprising. And Wisconsin's good. I expected Graham Mertz to be good. I didn't think this was going to be, you know, no offense to him. I didn't think this was going to be like the Illinois backup quarterback, Jeff George, or uh, Matt Robinson coming into the game, right? This is a top 100 recruit that I thought was going to be really good. Uh, but just having those two busts late in the half, not being able to keep the ball for a minute offense just to get to halftime, 
Uh, I kind of liked the aggression because it's Wisconsin. You got to take advantage of every opportunity, but you couldn't even get a first down. And then the defense, uh, Derek Smith, a newcomer, had two busts uh, back to back that that allowed touchdowns. That's deflating. And then I thought the third quarter, I thought the defense played well. But for me, it, I've mentioned this on the podcast. And I've written extensively about it already. My big, I, I thought Rod Smith. This was a big year coming in for him because he's got talent. Is it the best talent in the Big Ten? No, but it's way better than he's had his first two years. And he had all year, right, to to come up with what's the plan against this great defense. And Wisconsin's defense is great. You you praised the offensive line. You praised your running backs. You praised your quarterback. You thought you had so many more tight ends. And and that's what we got. That's really disappointing. And, and I don't know um, where he goes from here, but it felt like maybe he was overthinking things. Maybe – he just didn't have a good idea of what his personnel could do. But after 10 and a half months of kind of thinking about this, that was the game plan. And you got 16 minutes of time of possession. You average four yards, under four yards per pass. That's my big question. I think the defense can be competitive. I think they'll bounce back. They'll learn some things. Um, the offense is a huge concern after week one. I, I got to see some some adjustments from Rod Smith here. And who would have thought that? I think you got enough pieces where you should have a serviceable. And I'm going to start with that word, just serviceable. doesn't even need to be great. And if we would have had a serviceable offensive performance on Friday, you take that 34-24 prediction we had, right? And you got the defensive score. And all you're asking at that point is the offense put up 17. And I guarantee if they would have done that, Wisconsin's not putting up 45. Right. They wouldn't have been on the field for 40-plus minutes in the game, which is another repeat from last year's game. And, you know, I noticed as I was watching the replay, of last year's Illinois-Wisconsin game. Crazy upset win. I was at a friend's wedding that day, so I didn't see it live. I had to watch the tape of it. But I was reminded that, man, it took every little small thing, every break, ultimately, in that second half for Illinois to win that game. And I was reminded in the game Friday night just how that margin for error is still so slim for this team against really good teams. Now, with this offense and whether or not they're going to get it going, you know, that's the scary thing, right? Because you mentioned this on your podcast, and I was thinking this on Friday night as it was going on. I don't know what the offense is. I don't know what the identity is. I don't know what their strength is or what they're trying to really do. And when I was watching other games on Saturday, Purdue, well, we're going to go to David Bell because Rondale Moore is in here. That's our go-to guy. When you look at, uh, trying to think here, another example of that would have been Indiana, essentially complementary offense for a really good defense. They have identities. I didn't gather that on Friday from Illinois and in a third year for this offensive coordinator and a second for Brandon Peters, that's the most disappointing thing. And my concern following that, listen, I don't take into account too many parental tweets. I, I just think sometimes we overreact to that, but Rod had told us, I'm going to use the tight ends. These are going to be weapons. They sold Luke Ford and Daniel Mator Bebe. And I, I got to follow up. I don't know why Daniel Mator Bebe didn't play in that game, but Daniel Barker got two targets in that game. Right. Um, Isaiah Williams, I knew he was going to go in the game. I had heard that, and he had had a great camp. But but Brandon seemed to question, like, what are we trying to do here? And even for Isaiah's sake, like, taking him out on fourth down and putting Brandon in, I don't think that was setting those guys up to succeed. So I feel like Rod adjusted a lot of his scheme. His scheme is A.J. Bush, right? What A.J. Bush did that year, he wants that, only a slightly better passer, or much better passer, right? More accurate guy. But he got Brandon Peters because Brandon Peters was the guy who get him to a bowl game. They wouldn't have been able to get to a bowl game without that kind of guy. But he treated him like a pocket passer because that's what he's been most of his life. But then towards the end of last year, you saw Brandon running well against Iowa and against Cal. And you saw it again 
against Wisconsin. Brandon's a really good runner. Like he's not slow. He's not unathletic. Right? He's out running out outside linebackers from Wisconsin. There, I just if I were Rod, I just run my Arizona offense. Zone read it right. Quick hitters, RPOs, get the ball like the first play from scrimmage. They got the ball to Josh Metzor, baby, on a screen. He got a first down, right? Like, why didn't we see more of that? Get the ball to him in space. After that, I, I didn't think Brandon had a good game. Um, he he was inaccurate. No. Uh, I thought he was locking on, and he he denied it afterwards. But the stats say, it, and then you watch the film, and his eyes were just trained on Josh and Matt Torbebe. Uh, he's got to adjust. He's got to be better than that. So uh, Rod and Brandon got to figure this out over the next week and figure out what they want to be um, and and how to get these guys the ball in space. And I, I didn't feel like they used their running backs very well. Uh, I know the offensive line didn't block Wisconsin well, and Wisconsin's really good up front, but get Chase Brown involved. That's one of your best running backs, and he had three carries for 12 yards, which is good. Uh, but Mike Epstein got a pass catch. Get him more involved in the passing game. Get those guys out on screens or whatever it is. You just got to find a way to get your playmakers the ball. You know, I, I think you make a good point there with just do your thing. And the scary thing to me is waking up Saturday morning. It did not occur to me Friday watching the game, but Saturday morning I saw a few different tweets relating it back to the start of the 2009 season. And that was against Missouri down in St. Louis, and that was the worst of those performances down there. And it really sucked the life out of that team, and they didn't bounce back. That's not to say this team can't, but the similar concern that I have is when you look at that offense from the 2009 team and when you look at the offense for this team through one game, through one game. It seems as if the coordinator himself is kind of misidentifying the particular skill set of their quarterback. Mike Schultz in 2009, we're going to turn Juice Williams into a little West Coast offense dink and dunk guy. Didn't work. And when you look now at Rod Smith, I think he's maybe the assumption is that Brandon Peters is a drop back guy. But as you said, he's a pretty good scrambler and really the three best offensive plays of the entire night where Brandon Peters scrambles, which yes. leads me to believe that he could probably run Rod Smith's offense with the read option or the zone read, uh, as well as, well, let's say, yeah, as well as A.J. Bush, because what he lacks in footwork, he can at least make up for with the occasional throw. So that right. that's frustrating for the running backs, incomplete. You know, we can't grade them. We didn't really see enough. They, they the didn't, they didn't get much help. Holes. Yeah, I mean, Epstein with a no. fumble, that's a bad fumble. You can't have that. But they didn't get much help. And, you know, Chase Brown was carrying some guys. I thought Epstein had a really good catch and, and blocked well. Uh, I didn't think Jakari Norwood played very well. Um, but tight ends, like, I don't know how Luke Ford is. <laughs> like, I didn't see enough of them. We don't know. Incomplete. Yeah. Incomplete. And that's, that's odd because you mentioned a few minutes ago how the offseason, a lot of what the coaching staff was saying, the players too, that's a confident group. Mm -hmm. I would go so far as to say the week leading up to this game, there was a little bit of bluster in their comments. Yes. And you know what? When you're the underdog like Illinois, I think there should be. That's fine. And it's not as if they had to win to back up that bluster. But it is in stark contrast when after the game you have a quarterback speaking like, hey, I don't know what happened there. I mean, it threw me off my rhythm. They put Isaiah in. I don't know, which is essentially what he was saying. Mm -hmm. And that to me, uh, whatever got lost in translation there, whether that was a, you know, uh, kind of a spur-of-the-moment decision or not. It yeah, just seems it, like there's miscommunication just, at a level that there shouldn't be. Just to put that in context, Brandon did know Isaiah was playing because I feel like some of those quotes, and I felt weird even tweeting it, Carp, and I, I put it on the site in full context of what he was asked because or what he said because he wasn't surprised that Isaiah played. That was in the game plan, but he did come back and say he was surprised how much Isaiah played. And, of course, towards the end of that game, you're going to let Isaiah play just to figure out what you got. I, I don't blame that, but um, I think getting a series for Brandon was weird and then bringing him back in was weird. And 
I, I usually don't think that works, but the reason they have to play Isaiah, they want to play Isaiah, is one real flaw of this offense, Carp, is there's not a game breaker, right? Like there, there's not a, a guy you get the ball to like Rondale Moore and, and he's going to take it to the house, right? If he gets a seam, he's going to take it to the house. I don't know if you have that guy. And that's why you're going to see teams really focus on the run game. And then they're going to dare Brandon Peters with pressure in his face because he's, uh, can he make these accurate throws? Because I got to say, on that fourth and two where he came in cold, Rod Smith got what he wanted. He got, he got Josh and Matt Torbebe one-on-one on a quick slant. That's what I want to see. Those are the, like, that's what Illinois is, this big physical team. You just get these guys, they get inside the leverage, and your big, your big guys make these catches, right? And Brandon couldn't Brandon put it at his feet. It's like you got to make those throws. A second-year starter, a senior starter can't make those throws. You're right. Uh, Joey Wagner was on your podcast, and he said you need some singles and doubles. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like they forgot that within that game plan where you see all the targets to Josh Matterbebe, and that makes sense. That's not bad in, a, in and of itself. But I think it was in the third quarter where you had your first target to a wide receiver not named Josh Matterbebe when you finally threw it to Navarro. You finally throw it to Casey Washington. He gets hurt. I don't know how serious that is or is not. But right. ultimately, it was just bizarre it, it was a surreal game watching experience on a lot of levels i mean you were there so you can account for right. how quiet it was how jump around was the weirdest jump around you'll ever see in camp randall among other things but with the game itself my expectations i felt like i kept them relatively modest yeah. opening game of the year all the weirdness that ensues in a COVID 19 season and an offense that was older and had pieces that's where the 24 came from how they would get there i don't know but it felt reasonable yeah. And you didn't even score once that that to me goes beyond yellow flag that goes to well, unfortunately, not to do overreaction Monday, but does this project forward? Does, yeah. does this some is this something I should say that could, you know, hinder this team in what is a short year? There's less time to figure it out. Yeah. And I totally get like you should have they give you every reason to doubt this team the rest of the year. Right. But I do think this is where Lovey Smith helps. He's pretty good at this. Right, you have a bad game, put it behind you. Um, whether it was Eastern Michigan, you know they came back the next week and had a 35-21 lead on Nebraska. Now they blew it, but they found a bad way to come back and, and compete uh, after the Minnesota game. Right, they get down 28 nothing to Michigan and they come back and compete, uh, and then they come back and beat Wisconsin. So I feel like he does a pretty good job of that. Um, but you wonder how this team reacts, right? And you can't let one terrible loss turn into another loss, right? And and that's what that's why this game against Purdue is so big. And Purdue's feeling good at one and zero, and they're feeling like, hey, we're not at the bottom of the Big Ten West. While Illinois fans are sitting there going, yeah, we might be again. And and everybody projected <laughs> us to be. Maybe we should be. Um, but if this team still thinks it's as good as it is, and if it has leadership like they think they have, then it shouldn't translate to week two. But there's going to be nerves going into this because you start 0-2, you're not having the season you thought. Nerves that you would not have had if you had competed and still lost. I think the nerves come in where doubt's going to creep in in that locker room. I mean, we think we were surprised by by the performance. I think most Illini fans were, even if they thought it was not going to go well Friday. 45-7 to was not probably most people's predictions, not even Vegas. Right. I mean, they essentially doubled up the Vegas spread. By the time the game started, I think it was down to 18 or 19. So if we were surprised, there's the potential for that locker room to be shocked with the way they were talking, the way they were probably feeling about themselves. And that's a scary thing. You're right, though, that we can go back to the Bears days, even the years where they went like eight and eight or seven and nine. They would have a bad loss. There was one game I think Jay Cutler got sacked, you know, 12 times in New York on a Sunday night game or something. That team went on to win 11 games and I think went to the NFC title game. So 
there's resiliency within Lovey's teams, but I think unfortunately, I don't like the matchup coming up on Saturday for a variety of reasons. Not not just the fact that Brom and that Purdue offense, that seems to be the problematic type of offense sometimes for a Lovey Smith defense, but also in terms of the confidence game where you know that Purdue, after that home win against a decent Iowa team, still decent. They're going to be feeling good. You aren't. And if it starts off bad on Saturday, where does it go? If it's 14 nothing Purdue, do you have that resiliency? Who would have thought, though, the thing you feel best about after that game is the run defense? Right? I like, know. The, the run yeah, defense yeah. was really good. I mean, the fourth quarter I kind of throw out because it was like, man, they've been on the field 40 minutes, right? They know they're losing. And, and then you put in a bunch of backups. So they scored 17 points in the fourth quarter. They ran for 97 yards on 20 carries. But, I mean, through three quarters, Wisconsin had 34 carries for 85 yards. That's 2.5 yards per carry. Um, hello, Roderick Perry. He was worth the hype, yeah. right? I mean, he was great. Tariq Barnes coming in. I loved him at camp last year. Carp uh, looked great. And that boy, that translated the game with Jake Hansen out. And Jake with a concussion, most likely. I think we can speculate that. Um, you feel good about Tariq being back. And I, I wonder if, you know, when Jake comes back healthy, is, is Tariq a guy you just put at middle linebacker and put Jake back at, at weak side? Get, get your best players on the field because uh, he looked great. I thought Kalon Tosum looked pretty good as well. And I thought the defensive line was pretty good against the run. They just couldn't get a pass rush. And Graham Mertz... Um, I don't know what he did after the game on Saturday, but he was or Friday, but he was he was pretty dang good on Friday. He was great, and this is the thing, you know, as an Illini fan, this is where the inferiority complex kicks in, and you continue to see opponents set records. <laughs> Graham Mertz goes seventeen for seventeen to start the game, new record. Of course, it is. Start of a new streak. Be a new record against Illinois. Start a new streak of opponents Big Ten awards, right? Like they, they win the Big Ten awards. Yes. By the way, the highest rated quarterback, I think, uh, power pro football reference rate over the PFF rankings, whatever they are, in all of college football, the guy that you played, it's that part gets old. I know a lot of fans know that. You know, when you look at the defense, the run defense, that was encouraging against a Wisconsin team that even minus Jonathan Taylor, that's their bread and butter. You were able to stop that. But that middle of the field, and I know that Derek Smith got benched, right? And it was on him. The two of those, but that is a recurring thing. You can go back to the game at Iowa last year where you did hang around. You did, but ultimately it was those 20, 25 yarders down the middle in the seam to a tight end. It's cover two, Iowa, man. Just like it was against Wisconsin. Yeah. And, and, and there, there's a tiresome element to it where even when you feel like you're playing good, you know, the other shoe could drop just because of those persistent weaknesses in that defense, which I don't know how much you attribute to the personnel or how much you attribute to the scheme, but this is where that Lubby Smith defense can be feast or famine, and it is so reliant on takeaways, and they yeah. got that takeaway. Um, but I think your overall point is true. It's it's hard to fully gauge the defense when they're out on the field for 40-plus minutes in a game. Hardly any defense is going to be effective in the fourth quarter when they've been out that much, and that's where it does become complementary. The offense just needs to keep the ball on the field longer than they do. I mean, last year there were 23 minutes per game of time of possession. Yeah. And I know Lovey wanted, right, a quick paced offense, but you have to get first downs. You have to stay on. Like you can have a quick pace and still work 20 seconds of play clock, right? Um, they they got to find a way to stay just move the chains. They've been all, they've been bad at it the last couple of years and I think one of kind of the underrated things coming into the year is just how bad the offense was last year because you saw like a competent quarterback last year. 
but the receivers weren't good enough. They didn't get separation. The running game took a step back, uh, but you won games, right? So people weren't talking about it as much, but um, the offense wasn't good last year. I mean, six of the touchdowns Ono had last year were defensive. <laughs> so um, it's a big, it's a big week for Rod Smith and Brandon Peters. Yeah. You say it like that. And I mean, it's great, right? Six defensive touchdowns is great. But if, again, you just have a serviceable offense, this thing could work. And as I look at the rest of the schedule, and I, I think we may talk, I mean, if we project forward, which I know is a futile effort, because if we would have done it last year, we would have had that team mark for dead. I did. Yeah. Many did. Uh, but just looking at the trends, right? And this is the scary thing for me. And you know, I'm a macro guy is that with Lovey Smith, and we can go back to the Bears, we go back to the Bucks, we can go back his entire career. And as Bears fans, we're all too familiar, regardless of the coach, offense has never been consistent. And it just feels like Lovey, wherever he goes, there's, I'll try this guy, I'll try that guy. Garrick McGee, the first two years, now Rod Smith. And yet, for some reason, some way, shape, or form, they cannot find their way to an offense that actually works consistently enough with that defense. It's, it's frustrating when you felt like, of all things, the offensive line you could count on. Well, if that's the case then you should at least be able to go out there and play a boring brand of offensive football <laughs> where you can average three and a half yards of carry and then get into third and shorts and maybe convert those third and shorts. Yeah. But it's just a, it's a lack of execution on top of what is probably a confused scheme. And that is not a good combination. Well, if I were ranking the Big Ten right now, I think I'd still have Illinois 12 because I, I, think, um, I think Michigan State is awful. And I think Maryland is awful. Um, but Rutgers won, and they're on your schedule this year. I still think you should win that game. I'm sorry. Really? I, I, I'm still I'm still going to have Illinois. Like, I mean, we'll <laughs> see in a couple weeks, right, where we feel about this thing. But I still feel like this is a very, very winnable stretch of games here, Carp. I mean, we did think Illinois was going to lose to Wisconsin, even though – you know, you and I are higher on this team as we should be. We're holding them to Lovey's standard, right? Um, I, still, I was higher. Yeah. I should, but, I should say I was. <laughs> but, I mean, you still look at this, and next week is Purdue. Listen, they, they beat Iowa. I don't know how good Iowa is going to be this year. Um, and I, I think a lot of these Big Ten West games are toss-ups. But you play the way you did against Wisconsin, um, you're going to lose by 20-something points, right? Um, so they got to figure it out this week. But then you do have – Minnesota, whose defense is awful, and I knew that coming in, but they can score points. They got a good quarterback and a really good receiver. Uh, and then uh, Rutgers is a winnable game, very winnable game, in my opinion, on the road. And I don't think Nebraska is very good. I don't like the matchup against Nebraska because they're athletic as heck on offense, but those are all teams that you should be able to score points against. So Rod Smith, let's figure it out. Let's, I mean, we're going to find out a lot about him and his personnel and how he uses it over the next several weeks and really the direction uh, of this program. Everything you said is true. This is a muddled mess in the big 10 West outside of Wisconsin and Northwestern is going to be a weird wild card. I know it was Maryland. I know it was Maryland, but Northwestern tends to do this sort of back and forth thing where after their crappiest of years, they win 10 games, right? And I don't they got know a why, quarterback now. but they seem to do that. They got a quarterback now, right? Yeah, Payton, they do. Payton Ramsey's a dude. They do. So, with that muddled mess, though, in the Big Ten West, and you do have the stretch of games coming up, which, remind me, it's uh, Purdue and Minnesota at home, and then at Rutgers? At, at Rutgers Nebraska and at Nebraska, that. yeah. So in those four games, you know... Me too. You gotta at for least me get as a two. Fan, <laughs> you have to, and as a fan, this is this is where it gets frustrating, right? The long-term implications of the season, I, I don't know if they really even exist, just because of the realities that athletic programs, not just Illinois, but everywhere are facing, right? So we can't really gauge this the same way we would a 12-game schedule. Well, if Lovey doesn't win X amount of games, 
That's probably it. I don't know if that's the case, regardless of what happens. So there's this weird sort of purgatory. I mentioned it on Friday's podcast. I mentioned it today where the, the purgatory that I mentioned is the sense that regardless of what happens and as bad as it may look, this might be something that you're stuck with. Now, after one game, that's going to feel worse than it does if they come out and compete against right. Purdue or win, right? But it is a concern that if you get into these four games coming up here and they are all winnable games and yet you go one and three or God forbid you don't win a single one of them because the other teams just show up and you don't. That is a a position that even though I feel lucky that there's football to watch, (laughs) I still wouldn't have necessarily signed up for that. You know, like I still want wins. I want something to be excited and look forward to. Here's where you and I differ because I totally get the I totally get the feeling of being like, is Lovey the guy after one week of getting clobbered by Wisconsin? (laughs) <laughs> this this could sound ridiculous in five weeks, right? Like that that could sound like it could. I, I after Minnesota last year, I was starting to think like, okay, like Josh Whitman's got to at least start thinking about it, right? Um, and maybe we'll be there in week four or week five this year. But I still think there's opportunity here, and so much can change, so much can happen, especially in this Big Ten and this year uh, with the roster you have. I think so much can change, whether it's Devin Witherspoon and Isaiah Gay coming back, and all of a sudden your back four is settled, you get a pass rush, right? Marquez Beeson feels better, and your defense is great. Or uh, Rod Smith makes some adjustments, and they figure it out against worse teams than Wisconsin. Maybe Wisconsin's a national title contender, right? Maybe we look back and all that. Or maybe we don't. <laughs> maybe this is uh, the first sign of, of many signs where this offense isn't great. Um, but that's why I think this week is so big. How do you respond to it? How, how do you respond to, hopefully they don't do this. I think they're um, I think they're unsmart, but they're probably teenagers, young 20-somethings, if they're checking their mentions. <laughs> like don't check your mentions uh, you got to have positivity that hey we still think we can be good but we got to use this to figure out how we can get better or where we went wrong so that we never do it again um so this is this is where you test your program's leadership you test your coaches of just how good they are because week one they weren't good um lovey smith admit we we got to be better that we thought they were prepared and we weren't so we gotta we gotta figure it out so um now's their now's their chance to come back, win a game that they can win, that they should win, to be honest with you, at home against a similar level the program in the Big Ten, in my opinion. Um, if you win this one, we'll be singing a different tune, right? And, and that's what they have to do now. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they certainly have to do that, right? I, I think there is – that's all very true, right? I mean, this could be a silly conversation five weeks from now. I hope it is. I mean, at a minimum, at a bare minimum, I want this to be an interesting year doesn't need to be great. I need to be interesting. So when Ohio State and Illinois play on Thanksgiving weekend, I may know what the result's going to be, but I'm still tuning Pain. in with some interest, right? Pain. I need that. Give me that. How about, uh, how about the Iowa game? Let's I, go Iowa. Let's not go Ohio State because be even, even I have fair. no that's expectation fair. of Illinois competing in that one. Iowa. Iowa. Have a, have no. a fun, competitive fourth quarter, though. I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> but I, I think that why Friday night was particularly deflating apart from all the buildup and it's a Friday night. You're the only show in town for football fans, right? If they wanted to watch college football game Friday, fans from across the nation were checking out Wisconsin, Illinois to see if they could have a, a fun game to watch on a Friday night. And they didn't right? at least not for very long. And there's a fatigue element. I think the fatigue here is that even going back to last year, you had the four game stretch, which was a remarkable four week stretch for that team. And they deserve to go to a bowl game and they deserve the rewards because of how they played in that month. But with Lovey Smith in this era, let's say in year five, mm-hmm. the bad quarters are adding up. 
And we said it last year, especially when they were two and four. My goodness. I mean, most of those quarters were not very good. And you felt like, where is this thing going? They go on four, uh, four game win streak and you say, ah, what the heck? Yeah. But unfortunately, all the worst tendencies of Lovey Smith's Illini teams were out there on Friday night. And it leads you to believe that they might be older. They might have a few guys that they plucked through the transfer market that make them even better. But at the end of the day, it might just be what it is. To me, that was the frightening thought. Sure. That, you know, it was less anger on Friday night and more a, a dejected sense of, oh man, we don't, still don't might tell not be me we're enough. doing this again. Yeah, it's it's four recruiting classes in and all these transfers, and that we still aren't good enough to compete with Wisconsin two years in a row, right? Yeah, and like, just compete, right? Yeah, right. you're eight, you're eight and twenty nine. Like even if you throw out the first two years of Lovey, right? You're six and thirteen. In the Big Ten, right? In the Big Ten West, Big yeah. Ten West. Yeah. So in la- in the last two years or last year plus, you're you're four and six. So if that if that and, and meanwhile, yeah. Oh, sorry, Jeremy. Well, I, I was going to say what compounds that is when you see. I mean, Saturday was a fairly fun day of college football. The Indiana Penn State game was just phenomenal. You see what Indiana's become. That's Indiana. That was a program that. Just what was the point? Antoine Randall didn't make a bowl game. They didn't make more than one bowl game in a 30-year stretch. And here they are as a legitimately good Big Ten team in the Big Ten East, beating one of the top three teams in the Big Ten East and always competing, whether it's Penn State or Michigan or Ohio State that comes to Bloomington. And that's attainable. That is attainable because the recruiting's not off the charts there. They don't have the program heritage that maybe even in Illinois does. So you see that. You see that Minnesota, they host college game day, even though that went poorly. And you see these little Greg Schiano game one, and they could totally stink, and they might go one and eight. <laughs> right. But you know what? At least for one game, they look like a functional football team. And meanwhile, in year five, you didn't. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, that, that's – there's no way sugarcoating that performance. Um, and, and I won't. Um, there, were, there are a few bright spots you can look for, but offense was atrocious. Your defense had egregious errors that it shouldn't be making. Even though it was a newcomer, uh, you still shouldn't be making that. And there's there's still some levels where it's like it, it, the talent wasn't close in, in certain areas, right? Like Graham Mertz threw some balls that Brandon Peters didn't. And it's just like, man, we got the fifth-year senior guy, and they got the richer freshman guy, uh, and they're making that. All right, Carp, before I let you go, though, we do have a team to root for on Monday night. Bears. Oh, we do. Five and one Bears <laughs> against the Rams. Six point underdogs in this one. How do you feel about this matchup? Last time we played the Rams, it went pretty well, actually. It did. I took Bears plus six. I would have loved two years ago. It, it felt like we were on a collision course for that to be the NFC divisional game. And well, we remember what happened. But let's just say that would have happened. I really liked the <laughs> matchup see, back then, even though the Bears see, had won the month before. So did you see Parky missed <laughs> an extra way, point but, today? <laughs> I did. I did. And and I, I had the money line on the Bengals and Joe Burrow, incredible, right? Yeah. And then the Browns and Baker Mayfield, he was incredible too, but I thought it would come down to a parky field goal to tie it. Instead, he misses a relatively meaningless extra point. But with this Bears team, first off, I took him plus six. I like this team to keep most games close this year. That's what they've done. And it's remarkable how the Tampa Bay win, for example, is looking better and better and reminding me that maybe this defense that scared me in the first three weeks because the tackling wasn't great they were giving the takeaways mm-hmm. maybe they're starting to revert to 2018 form and i think the offense can simply be good enough i expect a low scoring game in a weird way i kind of expect it to be like 20 to 17 something like that bears are going to hang around and they're going to have a chance to win and i mean you know i'm not going to go so far as to 
predict that they will, yeah. but I think it'll be a fun Monday night game. Okay, the Panthers are three and four, but they had a competitive loss today against the Saints. The Lions are they three did. and three. When, like, if they win tonight, can we say the Bears are good? Even if they lose the next two, like, are, are we prepared then to say this is a good? Like, is this the if they win, it's a good team game? I think they're. I think they're good enough. I, you made the comparison, and I agree with this to an extent. Two thousand one, mm-hmm. thirteen and three. I think that's more apt than what they were two years ago because that was a once in a decade kind of defense. But though that's the caveat. I mean, there's something with this defense that could, that could get back to that point consistently. I think that in this NFC, they are good enough. They are probably not going to win the division. I mean, the Packers look like the Packers again today, not unexpectedly. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's fair. I think it's okay to call them good. I know why we're reluctant to do so because the first three games felt so fluky. And even the Tampa Bay game had like two quarters where the offense just looked miserable. But you know what? That's what's going to happen. And you kind of know what Nick Foles is. He's good enough. Mm-hmm. And maybe, just maybe, um, you'll get the two or three big plays on offense you need to offset the you know, four or five drives where you don't do a thing. And listen, you still got, you know, I know the Saints are still on the schedule, but you still got the Texans on the schedule. And uh, I feel pretty good about playing them. You still got the Jaguars on the schedule, right? So if, if you can beat another above 500 team, you still got the Vikings twice on the schedule. I know you still got the Packers twice, but like you have all of a sudden you're starting to sit there and go the path to 10, which to me is a top five or six seed, obviously with seven teams in the playoffs, but the path to the 10, if you get to 10, you're going to make the playoffs. Uh, if you win tomorrow night, I feel pretty dang good about it. Yeah, I, I absolutely do. I think that even a five and two, if they, you know, show up and look good. I mean, this is back to the Illinois Wisconsin thing, though far different because the Bears are five and one, and it was the first game of the year for Illinois. But you know, it is sort of playing with house money going out to LA, being five and one, and knowing that even if you lose, that you still have some favorable matchups, and you probably will get to ten. All the averages say that you'll make the playoffs this year, especially with that extra spot. So. You know, I'm just going to settle back and just let them do their thing. And I know I'm going to be frustrated with the offense. I know I'm going to be pulling my hair out with a few of Matt Nagy's play calls. But ultimately, there's something about this team that talk about confidence of what this Illinois needs an injection of going to this Purdue game. They always seem to have it with Matt Nagy. And Mm -hmm. it's sort of uncanny that even in the first three games, the wheels could have fallen off. I I would. I was not fearing a Trestman repeat, but I (laughs) was worried this was going to be like a five and 11 team. And then instead they flip it back immediately and seem to think they're going to win every game they're in. I'm not a big fan of Matt Nagy, the play caller most of the times, but I'm, I'm a big fan of Matt Nagy, the, the leader of men, right? Like I feel like he's a good mm-hmm. leader of men uh, and he does have that culture and the defense is good. And, and you said it the last couple of weeks, they've started to look like what they were last year. I mean, Akeem Hicks is awesome. And if Eddie Jackson can, can snap back into it here and Jalen Johnson continues to get better and Roquan and Khalil are playing at all pro levels right now. Like, this is a really, really good defense. And you got a quarterback who can get streaky enough, right, to where you can win some of these games. I'd just like to see them be able to run the ball, but behind that offensive line, I just don't know if it's going to happen. You got a Super Bowl champion under center. I mean, <laughs> I know it's Nick, Flo- Nick Foles, and it's on or off. And, but you know what? He was on or off for that Philly run, and he just so happened to be on at the exact right time for them. So. With a game like tomorrow, house money, I think plus six is generous for a Bears team that, you know, the defense is going to hang tough and it, you got an offense that can make big plays. So uh, 
let's say they're five and two. I need to check the upcoming schedule, but you even mentioned it there with the Texans, which before the season started, we're thinking, oh, that's probably a loss, right? right. No, they're pretty awful. Um, another team that you would mention, the Jaguars, same sort of thing. You got lucky to get those AFC South matchups. And all that taken into consideration in two games against the Vikings, a team that seems to be kind of having the wheels fall off. It seems like the 10 wins are there, and a win like tomorrow night all of a sudden makes you think, well, wait a second. As unorthodox as they got to six and one, maybe we start talking about when they play the Packers and yeah. how that might mean something. That conversation really begins if they beat the Rams. I, I mean, these next couple of weeks are ridiculous for them. They got the Rams, Saints, Titans, the Vikings, who you feel like you should beat, but I feel like we know there's talent there, uh, and then Packers. But then once December starts, you get Lions, Texans, Vikings, Jaguars. Right? Oh like, so Packers in the year in January, right? Yeah, and then Packers on January. Packers get week seventeen. So if you get to those final five games with eight wins already, you're feeling real good, real good. Even if you get seven, you're feeling pretty dang good about the playoffs. All right, Mike Carpenter. Hopefully next Monday we talk. Uh, we got more positives or at least more competitives to talk about here. Are we making a prediction? We did last week. I know the spread is plus four and the over under. 68 and a half. But you know what? I, I would have put go, $100 on Illinois plus 23 and a half. So. I think I'd go under. I think I'd go that under. Because, boy, that's a high number for Illinois coming off a seven-point performance. But Purdue's defense, I was surprised Iowa didn't have more success. So I got to watch Purdue. I didn't get to see all of them the other day. Um, but Rondale comes back. But what will it look like? Aiden O'Connell threw two picks the other day, even though he had three touchdowns. Obviously, David Bell is really good. Um, but their back seven isn't very good. So it's <laughs> it's it's all on Rod Smith and I, I think that offense this week. Because I think the defense will keep you in this game and make it competitive. But uh, I, I, I predicted Illinois would win this game. So I don't know what the score is going to be. i got to watch Purdue's film cart. But I'm not going to back away from that after one loss. I'm not going to change my entire view of the season quite yet. But come back to me next week and maybe I will. <laughs> Let's see if I had to make a prediction. So our scores wouldn't be the same anyway because I'm going Purdue. But I I think it'll just be a really ugly Saturday morning affair where, let's say, Purdue 24, Illinois 17, and you have glimmers, right? And, and that's the scary thing. Can you really go from an F performance to a solid B? Or do you got to get to like a C minus first and gradually work your way up as if you had a non-conference schedule? I, I think that'll be answered. And Purdue, they they weren't great. They weren't exciting. But in the Big Ten West, they don't have to be. And with Brom coming back to call the plays and Rondale Moore, too, it just seems like that may not be uh, the best time to play Purdue. I don't know when it would be the best time to play them. Probably better earlier than later. But uh, they're feeling good, and they probably should be. I think what we learned is Illinois could have used that non-conference schedule, the easiest non-conference schedule they ever had. Right? They, they really could have used that compared to maybe uh, some of these other teams. But that, that's a little bit on the coaching uh, as well. Are, are it supposed to be a great day, Carp? Are you, are you going to like go tailgate in, in the lot, or what are you going to do? <laughs> we'll do the 200-level uh, post game. And hopefully, I mean, we had a good time on Friday night, but it, we were just basically shooting the crap after a certain point. You didn't miss anything. Didn't talk about so. <laughs> No, no. So I'm hoping that that will be a much more intensive play-by-play kind of thing for the fourth quarter and post game. And I think it will be. I'd be surprised if it were a blowout. I don't foresee that, even as bad as Illinois was. But it is going to be a beautiful day. It's Halloween. Vibes will be good. And, uh, you know, just just give me a win. As a fan, as frustrated as I was, even on this morning's podcast, give me a win. I need interesting. I, we'll get to good later. 
give me interesting. And that would probably require one against Purdue because otherwise I do worry what could happen even with a bad Minnesota defense coming in. I was going to say, no, you, you win. You're in year five, win. <laughs> That's how you're interesting yeah. is, is you win these games. Carp, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Absolutely. We'll see you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. That's great stuff. Mike Carpenter, as always, can't blame fans like him uh, for reacting the way you do. Uh, I'm not, like, is a guy who covers his team. I, it's football. I think you can turn really quickly here. But, boy, they got a lot of things to correct. And if you missed it, I've broken down the film, uh, split it up into offense, defense. And while the offense, there was way less time to consume, um, was much more difficult to watch. Um, because I just didn't know what they were trying to accomplish. And uh, the execution was just not not very good, obviously. Defensively, I do think there are things you can build upon and personnel changes that you can make um, that will probably help you uh, heading into next week against Purdue. But I'm really looking forward to talking to Rod Smith on Monday to hear what he has to say about his offense's performance. Um, what is what do you think this offense can be? Like, what is the identity? What are you trying to do? What do you think this team's strengths are going to be, especially after that showing against Wisconsin? As always, appreciate listening to the Illini Inquirer podcast. If you don't already, subscribe to us, rate us, review us wherever you get us, and check out the site for the latest on Illinois football. And, of course, uh, Illinois basketball will get some news on Monday about Bryce Hopkins and where he is deciding to go to college. Derek Piper will be all over that as well. Thanks for listening to the Illini Enquirer podcast. Everybody have a great day. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Illini Enquirer podcast.